Welcome back to the My Thoughts My Way podcast, the podcast where I say what's on my mind the way I want to say it. Please excuse the voice. This week has been absolutely brutal for me with allergies. The other night I was just got home, I'd taken some meds, and I tell you what, I felt like I had been hit by a Mack truck. Headaches, sinuses, stuffy nose, hard to breathe. I took some meds and it took about two hours for my headache to finally start to break and get to the point where I could function. And of course, by that time, I was getting ready to go to bed. Uh, but you know what? As I was thinking about this podcast, I was actually kind of reminded of, you, you remember Drew Carey when he hosted Whose Line Is It Anyways? And he would come on, he'd be like, welcome back to Whose Line Is It Anyway? The game where the where everything's made up and the points don't matter. And I mean, I kind of felt like that as I was kind of preparing this, trying to figure out how I want to start every one of these shows. Because you got these people, welcome back to the show. This is blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, what's, what's, and I talked about this last week, what's my shtick? So I, I kind of like that. I'm trying to figure out where I fit in here. Uh, so it, it's just something fun to think about. And, uh, and another thing about podcasting is that I never really consider is how much prep work actually goes into doing this. And I really should have thought about it. A retired talk show host who I followed for several years and at this point, I'd like to consider him a friend. Uh, I think he once told me that for every hour you spend on the air, it takes an average of about two hours of prep work just to get ready for that show. And honestly, I'm thinking about this, and I counting how many hours of research and stuff that I've actually thought about how what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it, I, I think he kind of underestimated, he kind of... Uh, kind of undervalued how much prep work actually goes into this now of course it might be different if you have a whole team helping you with this i'm just one man doing everything myself uh so it's just kind of interesting how much work prep work because i'm looking down at my tablet here uh paper tablet not computer tablet and uh i've got three pages of notes just for uh two topics that i want to cover today uh here up in a little bit i want to talk about the price of gas my goodness man filled up the other day it cost me 85 dollars now i drive an old jeep 85 dollars to fill up here in western washington uh but first up before we get to that i want to talk about uh well you know i don't watch the alphabet soup of news networks i don't watch a lot of tv period but i do spend a lot of time reading and uh i follow not just those news outlets that fit within my personal beliefs, but those that are opposite of my personal beliefs. And uh, thinking about the last few, last several years, not just the last few years, but the last several years, there's, and recently there's been a lot of talk about this so-called thing, and they talk about it a lot, the greatest threat to our democracy. Well, I, I, in America is not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. But I want to talk about what I see as the greatest threat to our country. Now we ha- we've had so many terms and and accusations and everything thrown out at, at us a couple over the last few years. COVID is the greatest threat to America. Anti-maskers are the greatest threat to America. Racism, Asian hate. Anti-vaxxers are the greatest threat to America. Misinformation. 
conservative media. Not conservative media. This is actually something hilarious. Like I said, I follow all forms of media, all all areas of media. So not just conservative. I followed white, those on the right, those on the left, those in the middle, those on the moon, those in, yeah, I follow them all. And it's funny how some of the more liberal outlets this week are complaining and saying the fact that some conservative outlets have more interactions and are more popular on social media is the greatest threat to America. Here's what I think, honestly, and this is this is Rick talking for a minute. Here's what, honestly what I think is the greatest threat to our country. And I've it's sad, but I've literally been watching this for the last 10 or 15 years. The greatest threat to our country, it's not something outside. It's not something external. It's not Russia. It's not China. It's ourselves. It's the lack of... It's the lack of... Uh, polite discourse that polite discussion okay that polite discussion where hey at the end of the day you don't have to agree with me you don't and i don't have to agree with you we do not have to see eye to eye but we can still walk away from conversation and be friends i have a lot of friends and there are many topics that we will never see eye to eye on and you know what that's perfectly okay <laughs> I still love these people like I always have. They're still some of my closest friends. We just disagree. Another talk host that I follow, and I've followed him for several years. I listen to him as often as I can. He has a policy on his show. He's on every day. He does. He, he broadcasts for six hours a day. Just think about that. I'm broadcasting. He's broadcasting for six hours a day. If he's doing that two hours of prep work per hour on the radio, that's 12 hours of prep work. My goodness. Anyhow. He has a policy that of naysayers to the front of the line for people who call into his show. What is a naysayer? A naysayer is somebody who doesn't agree with him. He has that policy. for, And he's had it, apparently, I can't attest to this because I have never haven't listened to him this long, but he's had this policy for about 25 years for as long as he's been on the air. And if you disagree with him, you tell his call screeners, you disagree with him, you tell him where, where you disagree, and you get bumped to the front of the line. And he is happy to take those calls. The only caveat to that is when you call, he expects you to be able to answer some questions and have an open conversation. He doesn't expect that he's going to change your mind, just like you shouldn't expect you're going to change his mind. But that's 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 the thing that we haven't that that's what we've gotten away from. We've really gotten away from that 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 idea that Billy doesn't agree with me. So Billy and I we have a discussion, we shake hands, we go go have a beer together. Go home and next day we're come back together. We're best friends again. We don't have that anymore. And over the last, I want to say 10 or 15 years or so, we've had that we've, we've morphed from a society and it's really bad in Congress, but we've morphed from a society where we can disagree, but we still have each other, each other's best interests at heart to this point where if you disagree with me, I'm going to cut you out of my life. Here, here's a good here's a good example. I have a relative, and I'm not going to identify his relationship with me. At the end of the 2020 election, he made a comment, and I asked him to explain. And instead of explaining his point of view, he started attacking me and insulting me, telling me I don't care about other people, I don't care about my family, and then he ended up blocking me on all social media. 
and I the more I see it, the more I the more I I see the more I think about it, the more I see that throughout not just in my personal life, but also our society as a whole. I was looking up the term as I was doing my research for cancel culture, and just because that's really where we've we've where we've kind of come to, if that makes any sense. We're in this culture where, and it's not everybody, but it's the most vocal of people, the most the people who have the loudest platforms. If you disagree with me, if you disagree with this certain demographic then you're going to be labeled a bigot. You're going to be labeled all of these negative things, and then they're going to do everything they can to cancel you, to deplatform you, and ruin your life. Prime example, several months ago, Joe Rogan. Now, I've never listened to, the, to Joe Rogan's podcast, but apparently he has 11 million people that listens to his three-hour shows. <laughs> I want to know his secret. I might have to go check him out. But several months ago, there were these calls to have him canceled, to have him deplatformed off of Spotify. So I have everything taken down like it never existed because he is an anti-vaxxer. He does not believe in the vaccines for COVID-19. He believes in, in natural immunity. That means you get the damned virus, you recover. End of day. End of story. But because of that, there were so many calls to have him deplatformed, have him taken off of his platforms, have him have his life ruined. Instead of listening to why, in, instead of listening to why he believes that, and and arguing what he's against, what he's saying with facts and anecdotal evidence. Now, that's not how our society, our American society, is supposed to work. But we see it all the time. We see it all the time. Where you disagree with me, I can't be your friend. Here's an example I I personally saw. I was in an office working, doing some work, and having a conversation with with somebody else. We were in... Somehow the topic of coronavirus came up. You know, it's been a lot of conversations for the last almost two and a half years. It's going to come up eventually at some point for almost everybody. But this guy I'm talking to mentions that he thinks the coronavirus came from a lab in China. Now, I can't prove otherwise. I can't prove it did. I have not done the research. But I witnessed somebody literally get up from their computer, lock it, walk out the door and say, I can't be, I can't listen to this. Because somebody voiced an opinion that they didn't agree with. What kind of a society are we when you can just completely walk out on out of the room on somebody because they make one comment you don't agree with? That that's not the society. That's not the America that I that I thought we were. And it's 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 sad. It's it's depressing that that I we that we see this more and more often. I miss the time. Now, <laughs> my funny story. Okay, Afghanistan. My second all expenses paid vacation, bullets and bullets included. We used to have a lot of fun conversations. We had a guy 
his name, his first name is Alan, and I'm just going to refer to him as Alan. He was an African-American man. Great guy. <laughs> you, you never met somebody who had more jokes than this guy. But we would be sitting in our, in our, in our conference room area, <laughs> just, just shooting the breeze. And so we, we talk about holidays because coming up into February, it's so black history month and everything. <laughs> and, and he never took offense to this, but we talk about, okay, you guys got black history month. What do I have? Well, I'm a white guy. It's not hard to under, hard to realize that. He's like Fourth of July. No, that's a that's a holiday for everybody. White, black, indiv- white, black, yellow, green, blue. And, he, and Easter. No, that's a, that's a Christian holiday. Christmas. No, again, Christian. And we 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 literally have these conversations for an hour at a time, going back and forth around the table. But at the end of the day. We were we were still battle buddies. We were still we were still cordial good to each other. Uh, he wasn't one of my closest friends, but I mean I did count him as a friend at the very least a a good acquaintance. And uh, <laughs> but and we disagree. But at the end of the day, we still had fun together. We still worked together just fine. We don't see that anymore. We really don't. I see it all the time on social media where you say one wrong thing and it's really more the, more the, well, and for lack of a better term, it's more the popular people that I see it with now. The select, those with that celebrity status. If you say something that goes counter to whatever is popular at the time, there's really this call, this push, this drive to cancel you, to get rid of you. And when I think about what the founding fathers, the framers of the Constitution, those who fought our war of independence, when I think about what they would have wanted and how they would have envisioned us 225 years plus down the road, I don't think this is the culture, this is the society they would have imagined. And to me, that's depressing. I'm the type of person that I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. And my my, my record speaks for itself. I'm going to treat you very well. I'm going to treat you like a person. I'm going to listen to you. And the only thing I ask is that you listen back and you communicate with me. We're not always going to agree agree with everybody. We're not always going to agree on every topic. And that's okay. That's really okay. Um, because it doesn't have to be that way. So here's some rules for polite discourse. That polite conversation. Okay. Address your issues promptly, okay? It, talk about it. Bring it out. Express your feelings and thoughts. That's how we communicate. We don't communicate. We're not cave people. <clears throat> no, you got to express your feelings and thoughts. Listen actively. Listen to what the other, peop- the other person, the other people are saying, okay? If you have a question, ask it. 
don't get upset. If I say you're dumb, don't get upset. So ask me why. <laughs> why? And don't get defensive. Don't get defensive. If you're having a discussion and you find yourself getting to that defensive point, you're on your way to just to blowing up and ruining everything. So take a time out, okay? Stay on topic. Now, you're going to bounce. My conversations, we bounce from topic to topic to topic. It's like that never-ending Picard song. Moving from topic to topic. But you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna move around. But stay on the topic. Check your understanding. Ask questions. Make sure you understand. Always be respectful. I have problems with that sometimes, especially this next one. Don't interrupt. And let the other person respond. Go back and forth. And at the end of the day, agree to disagree because you're not gonna always change somebody's mind. But and that's okay. But agree to disagree and agree that this conversation does not have to be what ends your ends your friendship ends your relationship i guarantee you the loss of a friendship especially one that you really truly value the loss of the friendship is going to be so much worse so much worse than that itty bitty triumphant feeling you feel that you get when you slam the door on that person's face. We're going to take a quick break. I need to hydrate. I need to clear my nose. But So I'm going to take a few minute break. And then when we get back, I'm going to talk about the price of gas. And we're back. You know, these allergies, they're just, they're really kicking my butt, making it hard to breathe, hard to do things. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully I don't sound horrible. I'm hearing the feedback in my headset and it's not horribly bad. It's not quite normal though. <laughs> uh, two days ago, two days ago, yesterday even was just insane. I had people tell me that I looked like dog crap, like I needed to go back to bed. That, that's how bad I looked and that's how bad I sounded. So let's talk about gas prices. I mentioned earlier that I filled up my tank, 85 bucks. You know, I drove by the gas station I go to uh, this morning and it's usually one of the cheaper ones in town. Now I'm not gonna, I can't complain too much because I don't live in California where they're paying almost six, $7 a ga gallon in some places, but God, gosh, dang it. Five dollar, five and a quarter, five twenty-five a gallon, and I'm just like, this is the most I think I've ever paid in gas. I lived in New York for two years, while I was in the army. So, it's just like, and I know, I know we're all feeling the crunch at the pump, and I have some thoughts. So, I mentioned I don't, li I don't watch the alphabet soup of news networks on TV. I do read them though. I follow them on social media. I look and see what what they're posting, what they think is important. And CNN had an article earlier this week that I thought was interesting. And it's titled, Why Gas Prices Are at a Record and Why They'll Stay That Way. Now, I, I mentioned before that I'm a business major. I am studying business in university and college right now. So, I mean, I kind of understand a little bit about the markets, um, so 
it's just interesting. And I, I, the CNN really hammered it down to, to four, four key reasons why gas prices are high and why, why they're going to stay that way. Number one, obviously we hear all the time in the news, Russia, Ukraine, Russia and Ukraine, because here's what happened. In February, Russia invaded Ukraine. We know this. This is because they talk about it every day in the news. Uh, so what happens is that Russia exports about 60% of their oil to Europe. 20% goes to China. And then the other 20% goes elsewhere. Here in America, I think we only get like 8%, 10% of our oil from oil imports from Russia. And remember, in March, the U.S. and actually I think most of the European Union as well instituted a formal ban on Russian oil. So with that formal ban, what happens? I mean, there's not enough supply to go around. Okay, The lockdown's ending, number two. Lockdown's ending. Now, here in America, the lockdowns have been getting progressively lighter over the last year. But now they're starting to really hammer down and loosen up in China. And what it's interesting enough is that when people weren't traveling, the prices were down. Oh, my goodness. Lower demand resulted in lower prices. Yes, we know this. Supply and demand. Less oil is being produced. Okay. Obviously, worldwide production dropped during the lockdowns when nobody was traveling. And now that now that people are traveling again, U.S. companies are getting, are reluctant to increase production back to pre-pandemic levels. And even if they wanted to, it takes time. It takes resources and strong demand. Okay, you know, I had a, an economics instructor when I, I was first starting my business program. He said that when most people hear the word economics, the first thing that comes to mind is supply and demand. Supply and demand. I know that. Give me a cookie. So, yeah, I mean, supply and demand, that does play a huge factor, huge role in, in what's going on. It really does, okay? If you were here and I had a whiteboard, I put a little two-dimensional two chart on the whiteboard. Supply curve goes up from lower left to upper right. Demand curve from uh, upper right to lower left. Price in dollars on the y-axis. Units on the x-axis. And in the middle there where the two lines cross, that's what we call the equilibrium point. That's the natural point where the cost to supply meets what people are willing to pay. So lower supply, higher demand. That's what's that's going to create that gas prices. Um, here's the thing, though. Uh, here in America, uh, we're looking. If I got the numbers right, from what I'm seeing, we have inside the ground and in the waters of America, we have about a hundred years worth of oil that we can easily tap into. Part of the problem, as I see it, is that we have this government. We have this presidential administration that is so anti-oil that it's stifling this need 
this this drive of these oil companies to start making more. When you're saying, oh, I'm going to cancel oil company and we're going to drive oil out of business, you're stifling that innovation. You're making things harder. So I, I actually have some, have some figures here. I, I, I did some research. Remember that two hours for every hour? Completely out the window. <laughs> uh, so in... 2019, we were importing about 9.14 million barrels of oil a day. And we were exporting 8.47 million barrels per day. We were importing a little bit more than we were exporting. Okay. At this time, if I recall correctly, the Trump administration was very pro oil, pro, you know, drill, baby, drill. If you remember Sarah Palin from 2008. In 2020, we were importing 7.86, almost 7.9 million barrels of oil a day. And we were exporting 8.5 million barrels. For the first time in history, we were exporting more oil than we were importing. You know, you could call that oil independent. We were not dependent on another country for oil. In 21, 2021, so just this past year, six months ago, we were importing 8.47 million barrels per day, exporting 8.63. Now, remember, at the end, that last five or six months, depending on what part of the country you're in, the lockdowns were just starting to lift. These government-imposed lockdowns to stop the spread of COVID, which didn't work, by the way, were just starting to lift. And right now, I haven't seen any, I haven't been able to find any firm numbers, but it looks like we're on track. We're actually importing more oil than we're exporting again. And the oil crisis has gotten so bad that we are begging Saudi Arabia and these other countries that hate our guts to produce more oil so that way they can import it in. But why don't we bring it, why don't we just use the stuff we got? We've got it. Yeah, it would take some time to get the equipment in place, to get the people in place. But I guarantee you it's probably going to be a heck of a lot cheaper than begging some oligarch or dictator or whatever you want to call them overseas in the Middle East to send us oil. Now, political posturing does have a massive impact on oil speculation. I've read a lot of uh, a lot of politics. I study politics. Politics is a hobby of mine. And here's the interesting thing about that. I guarantee you, if our presidential administration were to say, I am calling now on our oil production companies, our oil companies here in America to produce and produce as fast as possible, and we will make it easier for you to produce. I guarantee you, speculation, the cost of oil is going to drop. It's going to drop like a rock. Which means it's going to cost less money to fill up our tanks. Especially as we go into the summer season. My kids get out of school next week for the summer. I would love to be able to afford to take them somewhere and do something fun. But with the price of gas as it is, man, kids, we're having a staycation. Well, they're going to set up blankets in the living room. We're going to watch a movie. We're going to have a blanket for it. 
<laughs> we have to we have to increase our domestic production. We need policies that that not only allow for greater domestic production, but also but encourage it. I guarantee you, we can see gas prices go down quick, fast, and in a hurry. If we were to start, if we were able to be, see that. I am all for innovation. And I think the electric car is actually pretty fascinating to see. Uh, Elon Musk has done an amazing thing with his Tesla. I have no desire to own an electric car right now. Because it's, it's not economical for me. Um, there was a news article I read a day or two ago where a journalist set out on a goal, drive from Louisiana up to Chicago. She mapped out her route. She planned all her stops. She estimated she'd get about 250 miles on a uh, fully charged battery. And, uh, at the end of the, the journey... Uh, she reported that she and her travel partner spent more time waiting for the car to charge than they spent sleeping. They had issues with with charging stations, supposedly being fast charging stations, but not having that capability. The car not going as long as they thought it would. Not keep in mind, when you got an electric car... If you're running the engine, that draws power. If you're running the electronics, that draws power. If you're running the air conditioner or the heater, that draws power. Lights. All that stuff is going to have an impact on your on how far you go. And But at the end of the day, when, when she finally made it back, barely within the timetable they had set, by the way, she, she said, look, it's not worth it. It's not worth the trouble at, right now. And... And it's not, and I was, I was talking with a friend of mine earlier tonight about this and in California, in Southern California, so Los Angeles area, they're actually, they're, they're, they've had a lot of issues, especially in the summer months with rolling blackouts, brownouts, because the power grid down there can't handle the demand that, that they need just to survive now with air conditioning and lights and cooking you throw in the need to charge these cars. They're gonna go. They're, they're gonna go days without being able to, without having power, because of the drain and the and the draw of how much power they need. So we need to figure. We need something. We need something needs to improve. Otherwise, there are gonna be a lot of people that are taking staycations. Rather than going on trips, going out and doing things, and putting money back into the economy. As I was looking at this, I really, man, I really wanted to talk about inflation. Uh, but I think I'll save that for next time because that's that's an entire topic all, all on its own. It's kind of, they kind of relate, uh, but... Yeah, I think I want to talk about inflation next time. Uh, like I said, I mentioned my kids are actually finished their school, the school year uh, at the end of next week. 
there are a ton of it's graduation season if you have not already had a graduation in your area uh which a lot of the country has because they get out of school before we do in western washington they're coming fast i know the university where i attend classes right now they have their commencement ceremony this weekend uh so i think next week i want to talk about or next time i want to talk about uh about the education system and I want to kind of look at the cost of cost of a college education uh, so that's going to be fun uh, hopefully now I, I'm having trouble breathing uh, so I think I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap up now uh, take myself a very large Sudafed pill and let that thing knock me out because tomorrow it's going to be fun. Tomorrow, my alarm gets off, goes off at 6 a.m., and I go to the gym, and it's leg day. Leg day, my second favorite day of the week, tied with chest and triceps. So we're going to do that next time. We're going to talk about inflation. We're going to talk about the cost of school, and probably school. We'll talk a little bit about school in depth, too. Um, so, so I think that's where we're going to end. Uh, hey, I appreciate you listening. This has been an absolute blast to do. Um, I wish I would have kind of realized how much fun it is and kind of forced myself to get into this a little sooner. But, you know, better late than never, and everything would have thin its own time. Uh, and hopefully one day I, I'll find myself with my, own, uh, with my own radio show. That's the ultimate goal, hopefully. Uh, only time will tell, though. Uh, Hey, until next time, you have a wonderful, safe week. Stay safe. Go out there. Do great things. Thanks so much. Take care.